Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. It's a continuation of chapter 8 that he's using the analogy of a human being. When a human being tries to understand something, you try to understand it from your own personal experience. And if we look into our own experience, our own soul, our whole frame of reference begins with the moment of spark of consciousness, which is our creative ability, which leads to analysis and leads to decisions, which leads to emotions, emotional response, emotional reaction, attraction, repulsion, compassion, which then leads to thought, which then leads to speech, which then leads to action. So the whole range, the whole range of human consciousness, what's the one extreme? All the way on top is creativity, the creative spark, the eureka moment, the bolt of lightning, a window to the soul. And the other extreme is action. And everything in between. So... Hashem, God, is, there are many, many levels when we talk about the tense we wrote, God's divine attributes, or God's divine personality, so to speak, which begins with the level of Chachma, which is the beginning of all worlds, the beginning of all consciousness, the beginning of all beings, begins with wisdom, creativity, but God, who emanates Chachma, emanates wisdom, there are so many levels, so many levels, myriads of levels, thousands and millions of levels that are beyond Chachma. So therefore, in comparison to God, Chachma, wisdom, and action are the same. For example, you work with sound, okay, sound waves. Take the two extremes of human sound. Shriek, the highest level, and the barely audible whisper. Now, how many levels are there beyond, beyond that that we, we can pick up, the human ear can pick up? Infinite. What we hear is, is at the end of the spectrum if you take the whole full spectrum of waves, of sound waves, what the human ear is able to perceive is, 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 is all the way at the bottom. So imagine if you're all the way on the top of the spectrum. To us, there's a huge difference between a shrieking and a barely audible whisper. But if you take the spectrum of sound waves the highest level spectrum of sound waves, which is so far removed from the level that we... Is there any difference in the shriek than the whisper? No difference. It's not... It, they're both the same. And the same if you take the vision. The level of, of vision. 
what do we see? The level that we see, what we see on the spectrum is, is at the end of the end of the spectrum. But there are levels of light that we can't see. There's x-ray vision. There's other levels that we can't even perceive. So our whole world, our whole world of vision happens in such a tiny fraction of the, of, the, uh, of the whole spectrum that by us, if you contrast one extreme to the other, that whole contrast, when looked at from the perspective of the whole spectrum, when looked at from the top of the spectrum, it's nothing. Good example, now that we have men in space, is you can see the earth, but you can't see anything man-made from space. That's something we can... Uh, right, he's saying the higher you go, you look from a higher perspective, big, small, all the same. It disappears. So the difference between us, by us, a contrast. By us, it's such a big contrast between one extreme and the other. From the highest to the lowest. Creativity, which is a spiritual energy of creativity, and then, and then the, the, the energy that we invest in action. To us, it's like one extreme to the other. The highest to the lowest. And yet in comparison to Hashem, who's infinitely higher, and there's so many levels beyond wisdom, so many levels that are totally beyond our consciousness, the whole difference from one extreme to the other, the difference between wisdom and action, in comparison to that level, is really all the same. It's like the shriek and the whisper is all the same. The intense light and the dim light in comparison to the waves that are out there, it's, it's, it means nothing. It's all the same. Insignificant. You can hardly even find it. I'll even see it. Or hear it. So he's talking about that for Hashem, when Hashem emanates from Himself wisdom, what does wisdom compare in comparison to Hashem, the emanator? In comparison to the infinite levels that exist beyond wisdom. Wisdom is nothing. By us, wisdom is the greatest praise. We can't imagine anything greater. By us, that's the top. That's the peak. That's the highest. That's the ultimate. That's our whole frame of reference begins with our whole conscious world, universe, thoughts, concepts, ideas, everything begins with wisdom, with creativity. We can't think beyond it. So when we praise, we want to praise Hashem, the ultimate praise we can give Hashem. Hashem is wise. Hashem is loving. Hashem is kind. Hashem is compassionate. Hashem is powerful, mighty. And all the ten svirot, all the different names and attributes with which we praise Hashem. In comparison to Hashem who's emanating all of these attributes, who's emanating from within Himself, wisdom and... These attributes mean nothing. It has no significance. It's the equivalent wisdom and action. By us, the lowest is action. Action, what's action? Animals also have action. A human being can speak. That's already a high level. Thought, imagination, feelings, love. To imagine, to conceive, to create. Creative ability. This is, this is the highest human attribute you can imagine. Highest human level you can imagine. So if you want to praise Hashem, we praise Hashem. Hashem is noble. Hashem is wise. Hashem is brilliant. Hashem is smart. Look at the wisdom within all of creation. Every, the laws 
all the laws of science and the laws of the universe, it's so complex, it's so... You praise Hashem with wisdom and knowledge. The Hashem, the wisdom is nothing. Wisdom is nothing. Wisdom is the equivalent of action, Hashem. Because it's like, we, there are five levels, he's going to say there are five levels. There's action, and there's thought, speech, and there's thought, and there's emotion, and there's intellect. How many levels are there beyond intellect? Not five. Not 500. Not 5,000. Not 50,000. 500,000. There's so many levels beyond our comprehension. So in comparison to those levels that are beyond the subconscious, those levels that are beyond the conscious, the whole level of consciousness is nothing. It's like a tip of the iceberg. It's like the end of the spectrum. So in comparison to the levels that are beyond the conscious level, which all begins with creativity, whether it's human consciousness or, you, or we talk about the divine attributes, all the attributes, every, all the worlds begin with wisdom, creativity. But there are levels that are beyond it. In comparison to levels that are beyond it, wisdom and action are all the same. It's as if it's the same. You can't perceive it. You can't see it. The shriek and the whisper is all the same. There's so many waves, sound waves beyond what the human ear can hear. So our whole level of a frame of reference, what the human ear can hear, what the eye can see, what the mind c- could comprehend, is so tiny, is so minute, is so insignificant, that in comparison to, to the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg means nothing. So we differentiate between the top of the tip or the, or the bottom of the tip. The iceberg, what is, the bottom of the tip, top of the tip, it's all the same as the tip of the iceberg. You don't even notice it. It means nothing. So in comparison to, to Hashem who emanates the wisdom, in comparison to the arrays of levels that exist beyond wisdom, wisdom, which by us is the highest level, and action is all the same. It's meaningless, insignificant. You can't, but so what the difference is? It's all the same. What by us is like the whole universe. <laughs> the contrast. One extreme to the other. The highest level, the highest praise. In comparison to those infinite levels that are beyond, the highest and the lowest is all the same. They're both, they're both at the bottom, all the way at the bottom. It means nothing. That's what he's trying to bring out here, and he's continuing in chapter 9, how distant, how infinitely distant Hashem is, how infinitely transcendent Hashem is, how infinitely remote Hashem is, how we cannot grasp Hashem, Hashem is beyond our grasp. And yet at the same time, Hashem and His attributes are one. And that's a mystery. Because the attributes emanate from Hashem. Hashem is infinitely greater and beyond. And yet at the same time, Hashem is one with His attributes. Hashem's wisdom. Hashem's uh, love and compassion. And that's the ultimate mystery, how the two are compatible. But now he's explaining the fact is that Hashem is way beyond all of these attributes. Hashem transcends all of these attributes. Okay, you want to read? In regard to the Holy One, blessed be He, however, the level of wisdom which in all created beings is the beginning of thought and its genesis is to Him the final stage of action, i.e. in relation to the Holy One, 
Blessed be he, wisdom is considered as if it were the quality and level of action. As it is written, you have made them all with wisdom. At first glance, it would seem more appropriate for the verse to have said something such as you have collected them all. Why instead does it state you have made in speaking of wisdom? That is to say that wisdom relative to him is as the quality of the life force and physical and material action is in relation to the quality of the life force of wisdom. Wisdom being the beginning and source of the life force in man and all the physical creatures, i.e. the life force of physicality is incomparably lower than wisdom, which is the source of all life force. For the life force of physicality is as nothing in comparison with the life force of the letters of speech, which in turn is as nothing compared to the life force in the letters of thought, which in turn is as nothing in comparison to the life force and level of the emotive attributes from which this thought is derived. For as explained earlier, all letters of thought emanate from one emotion, which brings them into being so that the individual concerned should think these particular letters. Clearly, the life force of these letters of thought bears no comparison to the life force of the emotions from whence these letters emanate, which in turn is as nothing in comparison to the life force and level and degree of wisdom, understanding and knowledge, the source of the emotive attributes. Thus, from the level of action to the lofty level of wisdom in the world of absolute, there are but five levels, each of which is of no account in comparison to the level above it. Clearly then, the lowest level of action is surely of absolutely no account in comparison to the highest level, which is the level of wisdom in the world of absolute. And just as action is infinitely distant from the wisdom of absolute, exactly so is the quality and level of wisdom beginning and source of the life force in all the world. So he's using a human analogy that just like because our only way to really relate and understand God is through understanding ourselves. So if within us we understand the distance from wisdom and action that as we discussed last week that you can't compare the life force within action in comparison to the life force within speech, which is nothing in comparison to speech doesn't add anything to thought, and thought doesn't add anything to the emotion. Emotion is, is secondary in comparison to the intellect, the source. So you can imagine the distance, the greatest distance from one extreme to the other is between action and wisdom. It's like the greatest distance in comparison to the... in, in comparison to the life and energy of wisdom, the life and energy of action is really is a tremendous gap, a tremendous distance between the two. It's insignificant. And that's the, the most we can imagine. The, we want to understand the distance, a great distance. And our frame of reference, the greatest distance you can imagine is between action and wisdom. That's one extreme and the other extreme. You can't get more distance. And this is insignificant in compar- what's action in comparison to creativity, which is the source of the whole conscious world. Action is the end result of the conscious world. And everything in between, speech, and thought, and emotion, which comes from intellect and the source of intellect, which is 
creative spark. So could you compare the creative spark to action? Could you compare the artist, the, the, you know, the person who's, who's just creative and the person of action? You know, action, what? You can't compare the two. One will make a mark in history, one will be remembered forever, and one is, uh, you know, taking action. So how c it's the most distant you can get. It's uh, the full range, one extreme to the other. That's something we can relate to. There is a contrast. And this is only five levels apart. <laughs> Between action and creativity is only five levels. And yet, to, the, to us, it's like a total contrast. There's no comparison. You can't compare the two. Action is insignificant in comparison to the creative energy. Okay, exactly so. Exactly so is the quality and level of wisdom. The beginning and source of the life force in all the worlds. For we are speaking here of the Sephira of the Chachma, of the world of Absolute, which is the source of the entire world of Absolute, the highest of all the worlds. As such, it is also the source of all the worlds below it. Now this level of wisdom is as nothing in relation to the Holy One, Blessed Nikki, in His glory and essence, who is elevated and exalted by myriads of degrees of elevation, more than the quality of wisdom is elevated over the quality of the life force in action. But this is an elevation of only five degrees, namely the levels of action, speech, thought, the emotive attributes, and intellect. The Holy One, blessed be He, however, is high and exalted above the level of wisdom by infinite myriads of such degrees. This being so, why do we compare the distance of wisdom from Hashem to the distance of action from wisdom, when in actuality, wisdom is infinitely more distant from Him? Okay, so he's saying that if this if action is nothing in comparison to the creative power, creative ability, how much more so in comparison to Hashem, which Hashem is infinitely times, myriad times more elevated and exalted than wisdom, and how much more so that the whole source of all of creation, the whole source of consciousness, the whole source of creation, of time, space, concepts, ideas, the whole frame of reference of the universe in comparison to Hashem is insignificant, is meaningless. And that's why the verse says, Kulam b'chachma sisa, God made everything with wisdom. Even when he's discussing wisdom, he doesn't say that God created, is creative with his wisdom. But that the wisdom to God is like, is like action. Just like could you compare something that you do with your hands, or something that you do with your head? Could you compare the two? Could you compare something you do with your hands or something you do with your mouth, with your lips? Or something that you do with your thought? Or something that you do with your heart? Or something that you do with your mind? with your right brain, your creative mind, how can you compare the two? No comparison. What you, what you do with your hand is nothing in comparison to what you do with your mind. And that's only five levels. Your hands, your mouth, your thought, your heart, and your mind, your brain. And yet it's like 
There's no comparison. One is a whisper, one is a shriek. One is, a, one is, is you know, barely audible light, and one, one is powerful, intense light. You can't compare the two. So too, in regard to Hashem, wisdom is like action. Wisdom is nothing in comparison to Hashem. It's insignificant. The question is, it's not a good analogy. Because the distance between wisdom, creativity, and action is only five levels between your hands and your lips and your thought, and your heart, and your brain, there's only five levels. Oh, that's what he's going to answer. But the difference to Hashem, the emanator, when Hashem emanates from Himself, wisdom, which is the beginning of all emanation, the beginning of all creation, the beginning of everything, and God creates everything with that creative power, and wisdom, the distance between that and Hashem, there's mirages, there's infinite levels that are beyond wisdom. And knowledge, and love, and compassion—all the attributes. But even of wisdom, the highest attribute, the source of all creativity, all emanation, and all creation. So why do we say that kulam That by Hashem, wisdom is like action. It's not a good analogy. Wisdom, like action, is only five steps below. Regarding Tashem, it's not five steps below him. It's not like wisdom is five steps below the emanator, below Hashem. Wisdom is, is thousands and millions of steps below. If we think there's a distance in action and creativity between the, the hands and the brain, there's an infinite times greater distance between wisdom and the levels beyond wisdom. So what's the analogy that wisdom is like action? That's, that's not such a great distance. By us, it's one extreme to the other. This is nothing and this is everything. But it's really only five levels. It's a limited distance. It's like we were discussing earlier before you came. Take two extremes in sound, right? Shriek and, and, and a barely audible whisper. Yet we know that the level of sound waves, the spectrum that we're able to hear, sound waves, is so tiny. There's so many levels, radio signals, and signals that are beyond, that are so vast and so beyond our whole frame of reference, our whole ability to listen, that by us, what we, by us, we make a whole big deal. One extreme to the other, if you look at the whole picture, the bigger picture, and you see the whole spectrum of sound waves, but is there a difference between the shriek and the whisper? No difference. They're both nothing. They're both at the end of the sound wave. The end of the... So in comparison to the, the levels that are beyond even our shriek or the highest level we can imagine, the highest level we can imagine is nothing. Is the equivalent of compar comparison to the shriek the barely audible whisper. So in comparison to the highest levels of sound waves, our highest level of sound is nothing. But the comparison is not a good comparison because the difference between one extreme and us by us is such a tiny spectrum that it's not a good analogy to the distance between the highest level of waves, sound waves, in comparison to the beginning of our world or the highest level that we're able to hear. It's a much greater distance. The distance between the hands and action, 
And the brain and the creative mind, the creative brain, is only five levels at the end of the day. But the distance from wisdom, even the divine wisdom, the divine attribute of wisdom that emanates from God, but the difference in wisdom and the levels of God that are beyond wisdom are not five times, infinite times, eight times. So if to us action is nothing, is the lowest end of the totem pole in comparison to creativity and to the mind, in comparison to God, wisdom, which to us is the greatest praise, the highest level, to God is nothing. It's absolutely insignificant. But the difference is not just five levels, there's so many other levels. So the comparison seems not an accurate comparison. It's not that wisdom to God is like action to us. And to God, wisdom and action are the same. It's, it's way beyond it. So why does he use that analogy? It's an inadequate analogy. The distance to God is so much beyond the distance between wisdom and action. And the answer is the bottom of 952. But as much as it is within the power of created beings to comprehend only the descent from the level of wisdom, which is their beginning, to the level of action, which is the lowliest of levels. Therefore we say that in relation to the Holy One, blessed be He, the level of wisdom is considered exactly as the level of action. We use this example simply because there is no greater descent in the realm of human experience than the descent from wisdom to action. Okay, so the answer is, again, we can only relate to Hashem from our own experience. So when we're trying to explain the idea that the God, God is so infinitely removed, so beyond the level of wisdom, which is the highest level to us, the only analogy we can use is from our very tiny frame of reference. Very minute frame of reference. Which is our conscious selves. We have no other frame of reference. That's our whole universe. That's our whole world. Our whole world is made up of words and concepts and ideas and numbers. This is, this is our world. We don't have any other world. Our whole world begins with creativity, with the brain, the mind, the creative. Our whole conscious world. And it ends with action. There's nothing else. That's our whole universe. Beginning, middle, and end. So if we want to understand, we have to use an analogy from our own human experience. So we, take the, we contrast one extreme to the other. What's action that you take with your hands in comparison to your speech, with your lips, and in comparison to your, to your thought, which is internal, in comparison to your heart, your emotions, in comparison to your mind and your brain, and your ultimate brain, the creative brain, can't compare. It's one extreme to the other. Action is insignificant in comparison to the Creator. That's the greatest distance that we have in our universe. So we say that in comparison to God, creativity, the divine attribute of creativity, which is the source of all emanation, all creation, the source of our whole universe. No one universe, all of that is insignificant in comparison to the levels that are beyond knowing that are beyond our awareness, beyond our knowledge. Just like within us, we have a subconscious, uh, the conscious is only the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. This is a huge reality that we don't even begin to know of or to grasp. So to there are levels that are beyond knowing and beyond knowledge. And in comparison to those levels, 
knowledge and knowing and creativity, which is the source of all of creation, is meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. It's the bottom, the end of the totem. Of course, the distance between the levels that are beyond knowing and knowing and knowledge and creativity is not just five levels. Thousands of levels, millions of levels, beyond, beyond our comprehension. So the distance is far greater than the distance between wisdom and, and action. Which even we could relate to, the distance between action and wisdom. Action is nothing in comparison to wisdom. How much more so could you imagine the levels, the distance between knowing and the levels beyond our knowing, beyond knowledge? In comparison to that, how much more so that wisdom is absolutely nothing? So much so that wisdom and action to God is all the same. Is he also talking about another difference is that our spectrum is linear and here you talk about two ends that are happening equally? Yes. That he'll get to in the in the comment in the in the note that our whole world is conscious world is a linear world. You know, wisdom, understanding and knowledge and what he calls earlier Sedahistalshalus, like a chain. One event leads to another event. Wisdom leads to, to analysis, uh, analytical. Analytical leads to that. The conviction, conviction leads to emotion, and emotion leads to thought, and thought leads to speech, and speech leads to action. So it's like a chain event. It's, it is a lin- linear event in comparison to a reality where everything is is one, where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, where 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 everything is interrelated, interconnected, and dynamic, and and things happen on a scale that's totally beyond human comprehension. The truth is, the human body is, is a good analogy. Because 99.9% of what happens in the human body happens unselfconsciously. It's, it's un, unselfconscious. We're totally unaware of what goes on in our body. We couldn't be aware. It would take you, you'd have to live a billion, a trillion years to describe linearly, to describe what happens in your body this moment. And it happens in your body simultaneously, one split second. There are billions and trillions of events that are happening in our bodies this very moment as we speak. Each organ and the interaction, the relationships and the brains and the billions of cells and the beyond numbers, amount of interrelation, interconnection, it, 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 just, it just boggles the mind. And all of this happens in one split second and simultaneously, unselfconsciously. It's impossible for us to even begin to contain, to describe and to contain linearly, conceptually, logically, and rationally what's going on in our body. That's an infinitely complexity. Science today has a taste of it. When we go deeper into the atoms, you know, we, we, as we dig deeper into the core essence of reality, the physics, modern physics, we discover that this it's so vast, it's so infinitely vast. You know, the level, the known universe is so tiny, so tip to the tip of the iceberg. There's so much going on, it's beyond, so the scope is so vast and infinitely beyond. And so, um, you're right. And that he's trying to explain that even if in, in the linear world, we can appreciate that there's a difference between one extreme and the other, the top and the bottom. 
how much more so when you take the top of the linear world in comparison to this, this whole dynamic, vibrant, infinitely interrelated, interconnected, different level of, of reality. The greatest level that we can imagine, the greatest praise, the highest level, creativity, the initial spark of consciousness is nothing in comparison to the higher realms of, that are beyond knowledge, conscious knowledge. And the analogy, of course, is inadequate. It's not only the distance between wisdom and action. It's five levels. And it's a linear difference. One top of the pole and the bottom of the pole. Here you're talking about a difference that's totally beyond it's, not, it's, it's apples and oranges. It's two different levels. This is almost infinitely beyond. It's not really infinite. We're not talking about absolute, absolute infinity. You know, that we already discussed in the first part of the Tanya. That's not what he's discussing here. Because if you discuss in, rel- in relation to absolute infinity... It's a very simple equation. It doesn't have to go into a whole length. As he said earlier, we learned in the first part of Tanya, a million and one in comparison to infinity equals the same. What's the difference between a million and one? There's a million, a million. Not five levels apart. A million, a billion, a zillion and one. In comparison to infinite is the same. A billion, a zillion, if you you keep on adding, you can add and add and add forever and ever. You will not get one iota closer to infinity. Infinity is a whole different category. There's no comparison. That's not what he's saying here. That's not the point he's making. That's a very simple point. Why does he have to go into this whole length of wisdom and five levels and you created everything with action? It's a simple point that everything is finite in comparison to God is infinite so God is infinite everything is finite what difference does it make if it's a huge and infi- finite or it's, if, it's, if, it's a, if it's a tiny finite whether it's action or in comparison to God action and wisdom is all the same that's not what he's saying we're not talking about absolute infinity we're talking about what, you, what you're mentioning here. there is a level of reality that's not absolute infinity it's a more holistic level of reality versus a linear level of reality. It's like a circle. Both wisdom and action are almost the same. I like this. Are as if it's the same. Because in comparison, the highest level that you achieve on a linear level, in comparison to this, what he called earlier, Saiv of Kalam, where Hashem surrounds all the worlds, where it's like a circle where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, where there's a dynamic entity where everything, all the, everything is interrelated and interconnected, where the details are insignificant. You, don't see, you can't see the detail. If you take the detail, separate the detail, when you look at the whole, you don't see the detail. Because the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. Not only when you look at the forest, when you look at you don't see the tree. Because the forest is nothing other than the trees. The whole is the sum total of its parts. But here, and this is more we'll learn about in the note, 
that the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's a, it's, it's a different dynamic. It's not just... Even with the whole is, is the sum total of its parts, when you see the whole, you don't, you don't see the part. You don't notice the part. When I see the forest, I don't notice the tree. But then there's the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's a dynamic reality. It's a different level of reality. Over there, there, there are no parts. All the parts are equal. They're all interrelated, interconnected. Wisdom and action is all the same. The highest level, the level of emanation, the wisdom, the creative, which is the source of all of creation, of all the whole universe, in comparison to action of this physical world. Can you imagine a greater contrast? Action of the physical world and divine wisdom. And yet, in comparison to the levels that are beyond wisdom, We're not talking about absolute infinity. God is absolute and infinite. Because God is absolute and infinite, even this, these levels that are beyond knowledge and action is all the same. <laughs> but here we're talking about, in comparison to the levels that are beyond the save of Kalam and the round, the, the circle, which is also the symbol of infinity. Not absolute infinity, but the symbol of infinity and in comparison to that, the highest level of, of, of the linear universe, of Seder Hishtalf, of emanation, is nothing. And it and wisdom are the same. I know my own life. Wisdom is one thing. I, you sound like you're Wisdom is one thing. You can take action with no wisdom at all. I've done it. So action is something anyone can take. Wisdom, to me, is something not everyone yeah, but nevertheless, in in every person there is on their level, there is a process. The process begins. There has to be some brain process, which leads to a certain emotional. It could be a childish, childish brain, or childish processing of knowledge, but it has to start with some brain awareness. There's no brain awareness. And that leads to a certain emotion. Could be a childish emotion. Could be a childish understanding. Which leads to thought. Which leads to speech. Which leads to action. So ultimately there is a process. Every action has a process behind it. It doesn't just happen in a void. It could be a crooked wisdom. It could be, it could be a childish understanding. But there is, that's the process. That's the human process. You start with awareness. Without awareness there's nothing. And then there's a certain emotion. Without emotion, there's nothing. And you think about what, you're, what you feel. And that leads to a certain speech where you, you tell yourself to do it. Okay, now let me go ahead and do it. Which leads to action. And that's our whole frame of reference. That's our whole universe. We're not talking about the quality of the wisdom or the quality of the emotion or the quality of the thought or the quality of the speech or the quality of the action. We're just talking about the human process. That's the world of consciousness. That's our whole universe. There is nothing. That's our entire frame of reference. We are a microcosm. We are a model. And what's true with us is true of the whole universe. So when we speak of God's attributes, it's also the beginning of creation. God is, begins, God emanates from himself the divine creative ability. And then there is the divine emotion. God loves. God hates. God is compassionate which leads to God's thought, so to speak, and then God's speech. God creates the world with his speech, and then God's action creates us, brings us into existence.
So he's trying to say that Pasuk, the verse is telling us that in comparison to God, the emanator, God emanates within himself in comparison to the levels that are beyond wisdom, the level of wisdom is like action. To us, wisdom is the greatest praise. But God is not, is not us. We can only relate to our own human experience. Our own human experience. We're not God. So our own human experience begins and ends with wisdom. And that's the greatest praise, the greatest level, the greatest aspiration we have is to achieve wisdom. But in comparison to God, the Torah says, telling us how inadequate it is. We cannot perceive God from ourselves in, a certain, in that sense because our sense is very limited. So the Pasuk is telling us that God is beyond, is so beyond us. God is so beyond the human analogy that all religions and mysticism that try to picture God based on their own experience, they're just like we have a soul and God has a soul. God is the soul of the world. Just like we are, we are the body and we have a soul, the world is the body and God is the soul. And what's the greatest attribute we can attribute to God? Love, wisdom, philosophers, love, Christianity and other religions. The Torah is telling us how inadequate this model is. Don't put God in a straitjacket. Don't compare God to yourself. Don't make God into a perfect person. God is the perfect person. All loving, unconditional loving, all wisdom, brilliant wisdom. God is beyond wisdom. Wisdom to God is like action to us in comparison to wisdom. We know that action to us in comparison to wisdom is nothing. So wisdom to God is, is, is like action to God. It's the same as action. Because wisdom is nothing. The highest level on the totem pole, the highest level of, of our linear world that we live in, that we operate in, is nothing in comparison to all those levels, marades of levels that exist beyond knowledge. So the Torah is telling us, don't compare God to you. Don't compare yourself to God and don't compare God to yourself. Don't create, that's why you're not allowed to make a graven image. Don't create God in your image. God is not your image. We're not, a, we, we're not an image of God. Because our whole consciousness begins with, and ends with wisdom and action and God is so beyond, not just five levels, the distance between action what we do with our hands and our brain and our creative ability. The difference between God's wisdom and the levels beyond it. Not even God's absolute infinity. Even the levels that God brought into existence after the Timsum that we learned in the chapter 7. The level of God's emanation and levels of God beyond emanation, the world of emanation. There are myriads of levels that are save of Kalam that are whole, that are not linear, that are infinitely beyond. And in comparison to that, the greatest praise that we can praise God, which is God's wisdom and the source of all creativity, in comparison to God, it's, it's action. It's nothing. It's the lowest of the low. Nothing. Our highest is to God the lowest. What by us is considered nothing and insignificant, our highest, and even the divine attribute of wisdom, 
the highest level of the world of emanation. To God, it's, it's the lowest. So the, it breaks down. It's not a good analogy. The human being is not a good analogy to God because we're not God. And let's not create God in our own image. Let's not put God in a straitjacket. Let's not limit God or define God. God is undefined. We have to appreciate how vast and how huge and how beyond our scope, how limited and finite our whole universe is. Our whole universe that plays out is so tiny, is so minute, that it gives you a healthy sense of humility. How puny, how tiny, how inherently insignificant we are. We're so taken by ourselves. We're so taken by our wisdom and our brilliance and our emotions and our, our religiosity and our fervor and our intensity and our creativity and our sublime experiences and mind-boggling experiences and earth-shaking experiences, high levels of consciousness. And here the Torah tells us the divine wisdom, the highest level, we cannot even begin to comprehend what divine wisdom is. We can barely comprehend what human wisdom is. <laughs> Imagine comprehending what divine wisdom is. Which is beyond the level of wisdom of angels. The most mind-boggling human experience. The most, the most earth-shattering, higher levels of consciousness. You can possibly conceive the most sublime spiritual experience. It's nothing. To God, it's, to God it's, it's the end. It's absolutely nothing. In comparison to what's beyond. And what's beyond is simply beyond our capacity. We simply don't have the tools. We simply don't have the tools to know or to grasp what's beyond. We are like the person who is blind. Try describing to a person who was born blind what the sense of sight is all about, what a color looks like. It's impossible. He doesn't have it. He can't grasp something you don't have. He doesn't have a tool. So in comparison to these levels, we are blind. We don't have the tools. Our wisdom, which is our highest tool, most refined tool, our meditation, our higher levels of consciousness, we simply don't have the tools to begin to grasp what God is, which helps us appreciate the distance between us and God. If we can appreciate the distance between action and creativity, the lowest in our universe and the highest in our universe, then we could begin to appreciate the distance between divine wisdom, wisdom, and the levels that are beyond it, which are not five levels beyond it, and not ten levels beyond it, but thousands and millions and beyond, totally beyond our scope. Okay, continue. Page 953, the third paragraph. This is to say, God is high and exalted, and very greatly elevated above the level of wisdom. And it is not at all appropriate to ascribe to Him anything that pertains to wisdom, even in a very lofty and sublime form, I, even if by doing so we need to express how he transcends wisdom. 
for example, to say of him that it is beyond the capacity of any higher or lower creature to comprehend his wisdom or his essence. Even this negative reference to wisdom is inappropriate. For comprehension pertains and applies to a matter of wisdom and intellect about which one can say that it can or cannot be understood because of the profundity of the concept. Okay. So he says that God is so far removed from wisdom that just like if a person would say I can grasp God I can understand God that would be a nonsensical statement so too for a person to say that I cannot grasp God that I cannot understand God that's equally a nonsensical statement and he gives the analogy from our universe we're not talking about absolute infinity here. We're talking about from our universe, the distance from action to creativity. If a person would say, you know, I heard today a very profound insight. I was able to grab it with my hands, put it in my pocket. It's a nonsensical statement, right? Because you don't grab, you don't grab insights with your hands you grab insights with your mind with your brain but hands are not you don't grab insights with your hands a person will say you know you can't see with the ears you know it's just not it's a different world so so too if a person would say that I heard today such a profound insight such a brilliant insight. It was so profound that I simply could not grab it with my hands. That would also be a nonsensical statement. What does insights have to do with hands? You can't grab it. You can't not grab it. You're not telling me anything about the insight. You're not telling me how deep it is. It was so deep I couldn't grab it with the hands. There's no connection. Even not a deep insight you don't grab with the hands. There's no connection. The hands are not a vessel to receive insights, to understand insights, to comprehend insights. To comprehend insights, a person needs a mind, a brain. You don't see with your ears, and, and, and you don't hear with your eyes. There's no connection. So too, for a person to say that I understand God, or I can grasp God, or I can achieve a higher level of consciousness and with my higher level of consciousness I can perceive and connect and know God. Just like that's an nonsensical statement. You can't grasp God. So too for a person to say that God is so transcendent, God is so infinite, God is so beyond, beyond the beyond, that I cannot grasp God. is equally a nonsensical statement. Because I'm not saying anything about God. God is so infinite. God is so great that I can, cannot grasp Him. I cannot grasp Him through higher levels of consciousness. I can't grasp Him through my mind. I can't grasp Him. I don't have any tools to grasp Him. Because we are not God. We're not the substance of God. Our whole universe, our whole frame of reference, our whole conscious frame of reference begins with wisdom and ends with action. And that's so tiny and it's so minute. And that's, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We simply don't have the tools 
to grasp anything that's beyond, beyond the mind. So it's not only that we can't grasp, even to say that you can't grasp, is also a nonsensical statement. Just like a person would say, I could grasp God, it's nonsense. If a person says, I can't grasp God, it's equally as nonsensical. Because there's no connection. God is so infinitely greater and beyond our whole frame of reference that we simply don't have the tools. We're like the blind person who simply doesn't have the tool for sight, doesn't understand what sight is. Can't understand it. Simply is not capable. He doesn't have it in it. If you don't have it in you, you can't. We're not God. We can't comprehend God. Our whole frame of reference is just from, from that linear conscious self. We can't really get beyond that. And although we do have some mystical, spiritual ability to sense something that's beyond the mind, or beyond logical, conscious mind, rational, ego mind, but even that sense is very limited. And in comparison to God, we simply don't have the tools to grasp God. Or even to say that we don't grasp God. There's no connection. We're so distant that we can't even say, we can't even make that statement that we can't grasp God. To say that you can't means you have to have some connection. I can see, but I can't see that. It means you have a connection. A person who has no sight, he doesn't have it in him. So a Jew has a piece of God inside him. And that's the sixth sense that the Jew has, which is called emunah, faith. We have a Jewish soul. What makes the Jewish soul Jewish? The Jew within us. That divine essence we have. That Jewish faith. That the non-Jew sees in the Jew. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Not by the size and shape of his, But what's inside the Jew. All Jews. Every Jew. Greatest to the smallest. Self-hating Jew. Orthodox reform. A Jew is a Jew. That neshama, that Jewish soul, that divine soul that we're born with, the moment we're born, we have it. And all our children will have it till the end of time. Those who are born from a Jewish mother. That's the divine faith. Since we have a piece of God within us, that's why while the rest of the world is blind, the Jew sees. The Jew has a tool, faith. A Jew sees in everything, he sees God. We see God's hands in everything. We thank God every step of the way. We see the divine in everything. Because the Jew has that connection. Because we see, we have, we have that soul. We have a piece of God within us. Therefore, we see God in everything and everything. And it permeates every aspect of our life. We connect with God. We take a cup of water. We make a blessing. What does drinking water have to do with anything? It has to do with everything. Everything has to do with one ultimate absolute reality, which is the reality of Hashem. That's the tool that we have. The tzaddik, who's consciously in touch with that divine essence, and depends on the level of the tzaddik, is able to achieve great, great levels. He's able not only to connect to the world of emanation, the great tzaddik are able even to connect to the worlds that are beyond emanation, the worlds that we're discussing here, the levels that are beyond knowledge. But every Jew has it inherently. We inherit it innately. We have that pintle yid, we have that divine spark, we have that Yiddishkeit, that Jewish spark within us. So we have that connection, that simple, pure, absolute faith that's at the ver located at the very core and essence of our being. 
Every Jew has it equally, totally, 100%. We forget. The non-Jewish world doesn't let us forget. <laughs> That's why a Jew has that connection. No one else sees and the Jew sees. And we never lost that connection. How is it that 99.9% .9 of the world was against us for 3,800 years? I mean, are we so stubborn and stiff-necked and we couldn't care less what the whole world thinks about us? The whole world was against us up until 50 years ago shoving us into ovens. Where, where do we get the strength? Because of this faith. We know what we have inside. We see. We're connected. No one, no one could touch that. If you see, if you see that right now it's dark outside, if Einstein will come into this room right now and prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the sun must be shining now, not one Einstein, a thousand Einsteins, would that shake your conviction for one moment? No, I see. Can't argue with what you see. The Jew sees God because we have we have a divine the spark of the divine essence inside us. So the fact that 99 that Aristotle didn't see it and Plato didn't see it and all the other geniuses didn't see it, genuine geniuses. So we stood at Mount Sinai. We saw. We see. The soul sees. So the fact that no one else sees is the angels don't see. It's not just the non-Jews who have a problem with Jews. The angels have a problem with Jews. Angels don't, don't, angels don't get the Jew. Only, only Hashem, no one understands God, no one understands the Jew. Hashem is lonely and alone, and the Jew is alone. So the fact that no one in the universe sees, because an angel is part of the linear universe. An angel can't see, truly see. Only a Jew is able to see. Because we have a piece of the divine essence inside of us. Angels don't have a piece of the divine essence. So we're not being anti-Semitic when we say that no one in the world, six billion people, no one has this piece of the divine essence. Angels don't have it. The only one in the universe that has it is the Jew. And the non-Jewish world knows it. They know that Israel is not like any other country. They know the Jew is not like anyone else. The only one who forgets is us. And they'll, they'll remind us. They won't let us forget. How do you acquire it? You don't. Well, no, it's not man-made. A person who converts acquires it. Ah, very good question. A genuine conversion. So the question is, how can you acquire it? Either you have it or you don't. Could you convert an apple to an orange? I mean, isn't conversion, all, conver all conversions fictitious? I mean, how do you, it's not like becoming an American citizen. If you do the conversion, I'm sure it's not fictitious. No, no, no I mean, we, ha we know, we know from Ruth, we know there is a concept. The question is, logically, it makes no sense. Either you have it or you don't. Either you have, a, you have the Jewish soul or you don't. Ah. So if you look at the Talmud, Whenever the Talmud refers to a convert, the Talmud refers to a convert that converted. Logically, it should have stated a Gentile that converted. It doesn't, because first the person was a Gentile, and then they converted and became Jewish. No, the convert always refers to a convert that converted. Because a genuine convert, who despite the fact, the obstacles that we place in their way, something pulls them. It's illogical. They come, if you read books of real converts, a priest in London is so strange my path a beautiful book you should buy it read it it's very inspiring I grew up a priest no connection to anything Jewish and it just inexplicably just something inside of him just pulled him that's the name of the book so strange my path how he ended up being an observant Jew a convert that means that that person always had a Jewish spark that was trapped in a non-Jewish body and it emerged and when he goes to the mikveh there is a transformation he's like a, new, a newborn person 
So it's genuine. A conversion is a genuine thing. People don't understand what conversion is. If you don't understand what conversion is, yeah, I can, I can write a piece of paper and I can make a conversion. Sure. If you think that a conversion is becoming an American citizen, of course, you want to, you want to call yourself Jewish, call yourself Jewish. But that's not a genuine conversion. Genuine conversion is like Ruth, like Jethro, Moshe's father-in-law. Genuine conversion. I call the genuine converts throughout the ages. It's a soul thing. That means that you had, a Jew, you had a Jewish spark, and that's why we put obstacles. Why do we put obstacles? Why are Jews the only people in the world who actually dissuade conversion? We encourage, we encourage you to remain a non-Jew. Why? We're the only group in the universe. Why? Shouldn't we be happy to make more Jews? Why? If you see, you, after telling the person, you could be a righteous Gentile, you could be right, like Ralu Wallenberg, you can be like Sugi Hari, you could be a wonderful person. God doesn't need, he doesn't want everyone to be Jewish. He made six billion non-Jews. He needs every one of them. They play an indispensable role in God's world. They create an image of God. You don't have to be Jewish to be created an image of God. To have a shear in the world to come. To partake in eternity. To lead a meaningful life. And despite all of that, something pulls and says, no, you know, I, I just have to be a Jew. That tells us that there's something there. There's a spark. There's a genuine spark. That's the story, the famous story of Hillel and Shammai, which people misunderstand. It says the convert comes to Shammai and says, teach me the whole Torah on one leg, on one foot. He wanted a Madison Avenue soundbite. <laughs> Reduce the whole Torah to one Madison Avenue soundbite. So he threw him down the stairs. Then he comes to Hillel, and Hillel says, I'll, I'll give you a soundbite. Don't do unto others what you don't want to do to yourself, and the rest is commentary. And he became a full-fledged Jew. So people use this as a proof. Two approaches. Shammai's approach was dissuade conversion. Hillel's approach was encourage conversion. And therefore we have to follow in Hillel's ways. Like everything else that they distorted. Because it's just ig ignorance. Hillel knew what happened. After Shammai discouraged this person, it was like a bad cop, good cop. After Shammai discouraged this person, Hillel sees that this person is sincere. Could you imagine if there's such a humiliation? Throwing him down the stairs, kicking him out, and like dismissing him. And still the person picks himself up and comes. That means he detected there's something genuine here. This is not just, he's not just, yeah, teach me the Torah, I want to Madison Avenue sound like. There's, there's something real here. He passed the test. He proved to Hillel that he had a spark. He had a Jewish spark. And that's why he started teaching him the Torah. Once a person passes the test, then on the contrary, we embrace the convert. The convert is a very heroic, courageous figure. A person to break and to start all over again and be reborn. And it's, a it's, like, it's like Abraham. Abraham was a convert, first convert, first Paul Shuba. So that's a tremendously courageous thing. You know, we grew up Jewish, but for someone to abandon everything and to like undertake and vol volunteer to become a Jew, you know, we have no choice. We're born a Jewish. Jew is a Jew is a Jew. But for a person, we have to have tremendous love, special love and respect for, for the convert. So that's a genuine convert, which, of course, most con conversions today are just fictitious, not worth the paper it's written on. The people who are making the conversions have no understanding what a conversion is. I'm talking about a, a, a conversion that's not a Torah conversion. Ah, so we don't, we don't, only God who, you know, we, we, we only see what the eye sees. We can't, we don't know anything about souls. You can't put a soul under a microscope, under a telescope. 
But the creator of life tells us when you go through the process, the halachic, rigorous halachic process, where the person is first dissuaded, then the person comes back, and then the rabbi learns, and he starts learning Torah, and he accepts upon himself to do all 613 mitzvahs. And he goes to the mikveh, and if it's a male, he has a circumcision. Then, when you go into the mikveh, there's a transformation. You're like a newborn. You're literally a new human being. You do the mikveh before or after the birth? After. You become like a new human being. There's been a transformation at, at, at the DNA level. You become a new human being. So much so, how logically your parents are not really your parents anymore. Your biological parents are not really your parents. You become a new, it's like as if you're born right now. Because it's a soul transformation. Something very genuine happened. It's so profound, it touches the very essence of your being. Only God, the creator of life, has given us this Torah. He says, this is how it works. Whether you understand it, you don't understand it, this is the way it works. And only someone who believes in that. The problem with all these other conversions, conservative reform, they don't even believe that, that, in this whole idea of conversion. Conversion is, 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 is like, it's like joining a party or joining a religion. Okay, so, or they don't know. It's mostly ignorance. But if you understand, it's not just religion. Judaism is not religion. It's not joining a club or a group or a certain belief system. Judaism is, is you have a piece of the divine essence. It's inherent, it's innate, it's your core, it's your essence, it's a piece of God. And by becoming Jewish, you become, you be, it's like you're fused, integrated into this integral because Jews are really, we're, well, every Jew is really a biological child. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So how can someone join the club? Either you're part of the family or you're not. But spiritually, by, by gaining, going through a genuine conversion, you are like fused into the, integrated into the Jewish community, into the Jewish organism. It's a spiritual thing. It's a divine thing. There's no human fingerprints. That's why it's not even orthodox. If an orthodox rabbi does it in a way that's not halacha, I don't, the fact that he went to orthodox yeshiva doesn't make it any doesn't make it any more, any more valid than anyone else. It's, it's not a human event. It's a divine event. So the rabbi first has to believe in the divine and believe that there is a divine essence and believe that what makes us Jewish is that we have a divine essence. And that by go, going through this halachic procedure, the person really becomes, literally becomes a new human being. So of course, if you, if you understand it from that point of view, there are very few genuine converts. You know, the real, the real convert. The Ruth, the Jethro, the genuine seeker and searcher. Not the latkes gefilte fish, you know. Uh. Jewish jokes. What? Jewish jokes, etc. Some will discuss people who don't convert who might have people who find essence in them. In, interesting commentaries, where, where, do, where do converts come from? Some say, Medra says when God, when God gave the Torah, he went around to all the nations of the world. You know, c- collectively, in the collective, and and the a- and they asked him, "What does it say in your Torah?" So, you know, he went around; they weren't interested. And he went to the Jewish people and he said, "We will do, and we will listen." Now, there must have been individuals that said yes. The nation as a whole said no, but there might have been very special individuals who were open to receive the Torah. So it says their descendants; they are the converts. There's another. Interesting message that says, it says when Sarah gave birth to Isaac, she was 90 years old, so everyone laughed. <laughs> Sarah gave birth. It's ridiculous. So to prove, God made a miracle, and she, she nursed. That day, she nursed 
many thousands of babies to show that a 90-year-old woman is able to nurse because miraculously she became youthful again and she was able to give birth. So all those babies who were nursed by Sarah, who had Jewish milk, the first Jewish woman, the first Jewish mother, their descendants, one of their descendants ended up, ended up being a comrade. Interesting. Um, it's interesting. It's very, there's another explanation given by Rabbi Yaakov Emden, very original. Everything is determined in the moment of conception. So he says, parents who have holy thoughts at the moment of conception, even Gentile parents, if they have a holy thought, they're thinking of God, or thinking of the divine, or the miracle of creation, thinking of something, instead of thinking just coarse, coarse thoughts, but they're thinking of something really special, holy, they will draw down the soul of a convert. He said, and vice versa. Where, where do you get the, those rare cases of Jews who converted to Christianity, even though it's not worth the paper it's written on, the Jew remains a Jew, you can never really convert out of faith. But still, how, how do you get a Jew to convert to Christianity? Where do you get such the phenomenon of a self-hating Jew? A Jew who hates himself with such a passion. I don't even want to mention some names here. Where do, you, where do you get such a phenomenon even? How, it, how does a Jew come? When was the last time you met a self-hating Italian, a self-hating Irishman? I mean, it seems like a uniquely Jewish phenomenon. But where does it come from? Because the parents at the moment of conception were thinking very unholy thoughts. And therefore, the, um, the outer covering of the soul is a very coarse one. So it doesn't enable the soul to pierce through the cover. That's why they come out very coarse and corrosive and poisonous and self-hating. Because the soul is trapped in a very... But simultaneously, they're still created in God. They're Jewish. They are. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. We got off the subject a little. We discussed conversion. Uh, and next week, we'll go back to the, uh, the Tanya. And the point he's trying to make here is the, the, the distance that... Although Job says, from my flesh I know God, we can relate to God from our own human experience, but nevertheless, it's an inadequate analogy, because we are not God. And the human experience and human consciousness begins with creativity and ends with action, which are only five levels apart. Action that you do with your hands, speech, which you do with your lips, which is much greater than action. Animals can do, but they can act, but they can't speak. Communication. Then you have thought, the thought process. Then you have the emotion, heart. Then you have the brain, especially the creative brain. Flash of inspiration, eureka, bolt of lightning, which is the beginning of consciousness, the initial spark that sets, up the, sets the whole process in motion. And that's a distance of five levels. And that's our universe, our known universe, a very linear universe. Well, there are levels Marades of levels that are beyond the known world, that are totally beyond human grasp and human comprehension, and even beyond divine, the level of the divine wisdom, the world of emanation, the highest world, the level of divine wisdom, even the divine wisdom cannot grasp the levels that are beyond divine wisdom. And the distance between the two is much greater than the distance between wisdom and action. It's only five levels apart like thousands of levels. And, the, and the, the, the human analogy, the physical analogy is like, take, the, take sounds, the levels of sounds that we can hear. 
take a screech, the highest sound, and the whisper, the barely audible whisper. But we know that there are sound waves that are beyond the human ability. And there's so many levels beyond. In comparison to those thousands and thousands of levels, our whole spectrum of sound is so is nothing, is insignificant. There is no difference in the shriek and the whisper, it's all the same. It's so remote, it's so removed from it. So too there are levels that are beyond knowledge. So we simply cannot grasp God. Not only we cannot grasp God, just like if a person says I can grasp God, it's a ridiculous statement. We left off, we'll continue next week, for a person to say, I cannot grasp God. God is so deep, God is so profound, God is so infinite, God is so beyond, I cannot grasp Him. I cannot grasp Him with higher levels of consciousness. I cannot grasp Him, there's no human tool that can grasp Him. Even angels can grasp Him. Even the divine wisdom cannot grasp the levels that are beyond wisdom. That's also a nonsensical statement. Because it's like saying that I can't grasp the concept with my bare hands. What does grasp have to do with, what does hands have to do with concepts? It's a different universe, a different world. There's no connection. Just like if a person says, I can grasp the concept with my hands, it's ridiculous. If a person says, I cannot grasp the concept, it's so deep that I can't grasp it, it's equally as ridiculous. So too, for a person to say, I could grasp God, it's ridiculous. For a person to say, I cannot grasp God, it's equally ridiculous because God is so beyond the whole world of grasp. So we have simply have no tools with which to grasp God. The only tool that we have is a Jew was given a sixth sense. That's the faith, Jewish faith. That's inherent, innate, that we're born with. To be continued. Lessons in Tanya, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. For more Tanya study, please visit our website at www.lessonsintanya.com.